What's the world's most powerful weapon of mass destruction? What's the world's most powerful instrument for giving life? Well, compare your answers with those found in God's Word as you hop aboard the Bible bus. We're headed today to Proverbs chapter 18. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm your host, Steve Schwetz, and of course, our teacher is the late Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, before we begin, we got just enough time to share a couple of letters from our mailbag. The first one's a letter from a prisoner. Dr. McGee read it many years ago, but it's a good one, so let's listen to it now. And We've had a remarkable letter from a prisoner in prison in Texas who received a Bible. He says the peniology of the Bible doesn't rely alone on restitution, but on work as well. We need to develop a creative alternative to prisons. For the most part, imprisonment should be limited to incorrigibles. Society obviously needs that protection. But even those prisoners should be allowed the therapy of labor. All inmates in our penal institutions, except the sick and infirm, should be made productive. The normal life of an inmate is 16 hours a day of lusting and 8 hours a day of sleeping. That's the situation in virtually all our prisons. And may I intrude and say, this comes from a man back of the bars. Penitentiaries should no longer be used as storage warehouses for human beings. Idleness breeds trouble and restlessness behind these bars as it does outside the walls. The necessity is to reintroduce the Bible's bondservant concept. The entire apparatus of justice must be refocused. In most cases, those convicted of crimes should be sent to prison only if they refuse to take a job and compensate their victims. Inside prison, inmates should be required to work at meaningful tasks, and they should be paid prevailing wages. What they earn should be shared by those they victimize and the prisoner's family in order to help reduce the nation's astronomical welfare bill. Well, this is advice from back of prison walls, friends. That's a great letter. Now here's another one, also from a prisoner. This one's in Poland. I'm grateful for the Bible verses and prayers that you have offered me. I pray that the Lord will support all of you who are working for His glory. Your ministry is like a light leading people to God. I thank God for the opportunity to meet you, and I thank you for the radio you have given me so that I can listen to your broadcasts. I am overwhelmed by your generosity. Thank you also for the brochures that you have sent me. I can share them with other guys here. Slowly but certainly, God's Word is changing my heart. Well, isn't that terrific? Slowly but certainly. I pray that God is changing all of our hearts as we study His Word together. And then our last letter comes to us from Pat. She's in California. Recently, I finished the study of Job. At the beginning, I wasn't very excited about it. However, as we studied, I began to realize that God knows everything, and He is not surprised by anything, and that was such a comfort to me. It gave me great peace. I enjoy the letters you read from other listeners. Recently, a few from Russia touched my heart. I appreciate the reminder to pray for people around the world and their needs. Thank you for the wonderful teaching in the Word of God. 
Well, thanks for your letter, Pat, and thank you for joining us in prayers for our listeners like the one in Poland whose letter I read earlier and then for others around the world. Now, if you'd like to join our group of faithful prayer warriors as we travel the globe on our knees asking God to reach his whole world with his whole word, then visit ttb.org forward slash pray and sign up today. Now let's pray as we begin. Father, we ask that your blessing would be on the teaching of your word as it goes out. May it reach into the hearts far and near. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now here is Dr. J. Vernon McGee as we study Proverbs 18 together on Through the Bible. Now, friends, here in the 18th chapter of the book of Proverbs, I feel like that the young man that entered the school of wisdom is really coming along. I hope the rest of us are coming along with him because there is a great deal of spiritual truth in these Proverbs. And as I begin now reading at chapter 18, verse 1, Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Let me change that just a little, and I think it'll be helpful. A man having separated himself for his own pleasure, rageth against all sound wisdom. Now, I want to note here that the important thing is the subject of separation. And this is the wrong kind of separation. To tell the truth, there are a great many people that emphasize separation, and I feel they emphasize the wrong kind of separation. They make up their own little commandments that are not actually in the Bible, and they feel if they follow them that they should separate themselves from all other believers, and that they are something very special in the sight of the Lord. I feel like that's wrong. The great division in the human family is between saved people and lost people. The division as God looks at the world is not color. God is really colorblind. It's not black or white, brown, yellow, red. The division today is, is a man saved or is he lost? Those are the two divisions, and no other division. Now, among those that are saved, there are those that separate themselves into this little clique. They think they're superior. Generally, they are not. They manifest many evidences of the flesh working in their life. But the Bible does tell us to be separate, come out from among them, Be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you. That's in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. And God makes it, therefore, very clear we're to separate ourselves from that which is unclean. He was talking in particular about idolatry of that day, and that which is immorality, that which is filthy conversation. All of that type of thing would be a separation from that. And that's real segregation. Segregate yourself from the evil. That is something that's very important. Now there's another group, and they are really strong separationists, and they are among, actually, the unsaved. And we find that that's what he's talking about here, a man having separated himself for his own pleasure. That is, he won't listen to anything that is wise at all, And Jude spoke of them as being apostates. 
He says in verse 19, These be they who separate themselves, sensual, not having the Spirit. You see, what they do is they withdraw from any group of people or any individual that would reprimand them, and they separate themselves into a little group. And they become very obnoxious, actually. They're generally apostates. They separate themselves from the truth. And that's something that we need to note. And they certainly cause a great deal of sorrow in this world. Now we have in verse 2, "...a fool hath no delight in understanding." but that his heart may discover itself. This is something we've had before, but this professor I told you, he sent me a bunch of proverbs that are up to date that are very interesting. Here's one that fits in here. If I stop to think before I speak, I won't have to worry afterward about what I said before. Well, that certainly is true. And then in verse 3, When the lawless cometh, there cometh also contempt and with ignominy reproach. They bring great sorrow into the world. In fact, all of these that he mentions through here are like that. And again, let me refer you to a proverb that this professor sent me. He says, Some persons cause happiness wherever they go, others whenever they go. I think that's a good one, by the way, and it sure applies to this crowd that the Lord's talking about here. Now we are told in verse 4, "...the words of a man's mouth are as deep waters, and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook." This is something that is very important for the child of God, because every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You remember the Lord Jesus stood there that day when all that water was poured out at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. If any man thirst, he said, let him come unto me and drink. He said, he that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly or inmost being shall flow rivers of living waters. Now, John interprets that for us, and he says, this spake he of the Holy Spirit. And that is something that's very important that we speak. A child of God should learn to try to speak in the power of the Holy Spirit and how important it is to speak in the power of the Holy Spirit in presenting the Word of God, in talking about the things of God. Now, verse 5, "...it's not good to accept the person of the lawless." to overthrow the righteous in judgment. Do not compromise with an evil person or a lawless person in order to overthrow a righteous person. I'm wondering today if we as a nation haven't butted in to many places where we should have kept our nose out and we would not be in the difficulty that we find ourselves... And that's true, of course, of individuals. These are great proverbs that are practical, that can be geared into life. Now he moves down and begins to talk about the fool again. Remember, the Lord Jesus said, don't you call anybody a fool. God does it because he seems to have done a pretty good job of it. He says now here, a fool's lips enter into contention, 
and his mouth calleth for strokes. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a whisper are as dainty morsels, and they go down into the depths of the soul. Now, here again you have that matter of a fool that is one that is stirring up contention. He's issuing a complaint. He's finding fault, that type of thing. May I give you another proverb that's a modern one that the professor sent me? Listen to this one. This is a good one. Be considerate. Most people know how to express a complaint, but few utter a gracious compliment. The bee is seldom complimented for making honey. It's just criticized for stinging. <laughs> My friend, that's a good proverb that brings all of this right up to date. Then we want to move on down to verse 10. This is a very wonderful proverb. This is one that many have used in speaking to children. I've used it on several occasions, found it very effective. The name of Jehovah, the name of the Lord, is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Now, that name of Jehovah is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our salvation. He's called Jesus because he'd save his people from their sins. And he's Christ because he's the anointed one. And he's the Lord of life. And the Lord Jesus Christ is a strong tower. And the righteous runneth into it and saved. He says that no one can pluck them out of his hand. What a beautiful picture this is. Now we are told in verse 11, the rich man's wealth is his strong city and has a high wall in his own conceit. Now the rich man's wealth is his strong city. I'm confident here that the primary meaning is material wealth because God promised that to his people. But he's not promised that to us. We're blessed with all spiritual lessons. Now, this idea that Israel is just a continuation of the church, and you hear that so much today, even in so-called conservative preaching, that the church is, shall I say, the next grade above Judaism. But that's not the picture. You can make a comparison, of course, and there many likenesses, but the contrasts are greater. And here is one of them. God never promised material blessings to the believer. He did to Israel. Promised him a full basket. Promised him material blessings. And God made good at that. Then God said he'd take them away from him as a judgment. Now, today, he's promised us we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. And that is our strong city. A child of God needs to be fortified. He needs to get into the strong tower. He needs to be in this strong city. He needs to have the high wall around him. And what is it? Well, it's the Word of God and a knowledge of the Word of God. And that's very important. The thing is that we need to recognize that we are living in very difficult times and God's people are being tested and a knowledge of the Word of God is important. Now, not this little smattering that goes around. We're having these little courses that tell you how to witness and how to get along with your wife and stop beating her. 
and how you can get along with your mother-in-law and things like that. That has a certain value, but it's all surface stuff. It is glamour, and it's for lazy people, you see. Now, there's no substitute for digging in the Word of God. Now, I know I discourage some people when I say that, but friends learn to read the Word of God. And if you don't understand it, read it again. And if you don't understand it the second time, read it the third time. And then if you don't understand it the third time, something is wrong. Then go to the Lord and say, look, something's wrong. I'm not getting it. And ask Him to help you. May I say to you, I think I'm accurate because He hasn't let me down in this matter. He'll make good because the Spirit of God is our teacher and how important this is. Now we have in verse 13, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it is folly and a shame unto him. And how many people try to pass judgment on certain individuals when they don't know the problem, they don't know the individual, they don't know the situation, and he that answereth a matter before he heareth it. Well, he'll be like this one we talked about. If I stop to think before I speak, I won't have to worry afterward about what I said before. How important it is to stop and think before. Now, verse 14, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a broken spirit who can bear. Now, you can break your leg and get over that. But if your spirit is broken, friends, you're broken. And only God at a time can encourage you at that. You remember that Nehemiah, when he returned back to the people, even after they had rebuilt the walls, they hadn't heard the Word of God. The Word of God was read. And I think they saw how far they were from God. And they began to weep. And he says, weep not. This is a time of rejoicing. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, how important that is. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I was sitting in the pastor's study up in Oregon, in Salem, the capital, in the study of the First Baptist Church. And I saw this little motto on the wall, and I like it. I pass this on to you. It's a proverb. Joy is the flag that is flown in the heart when the master is in residence. Joy is the flag that is flown in the heart when the Master is in residence. When the Lord Jesus Christ becomes first choice for you, and he has top priority, then, my friend, you won't have that broken spirit that we hear so much about. And let me give you another proverb. Give God the first choice. Give of your time, your effort, your thoughts, your companionships, and your money and see what happens. Have you tried it? I dare you to try. (laughs) And you'll find out what happens. Now, I must move along here. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. I hope you'll nail that one down because we're going to have one that's in contrast to that. And this is where people find contradictions you see in the Bible. They feel like that they have found contradictions in the Bible. Well, (laughs) we'll see it when we get to it. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him 
before great men. And in chapter 25, verse 14, it reads, Whoso boasts himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. You see that there is quite a contrast here. Now, I want to move on from that because I'll be coming to that a little later on. And I personally believe that every believer has a gift, the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, my, how important that is for a child of God. Now, I'm going to drop down to verse 21. And here we read, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Think of that. You can say a word to an individual, maybe more than just a word, but you can give the gospel to them, and it'll give them life. And you can say something else that would drive them from God, and that means death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The most potent weapon in this world today is that little tongue. There's just nothing quite as potent as that little tongue. And the book of Proverbs has a great deal to say about it. And then, of all things, notice the next one. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And I actually have laughed at this. I think the arrangement here is the Spirit of God put them right together. You know, death and life and the power of the tongue. You're going to have to propose to the girl. That's the proper way to do it. Ask her to marry you. <laughs> and death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, you may wish you had <laughs> bit your tongue. It's like the old bachelor that was going with one that we call an old maid today, but that's not nice. And he had never met a woman that he wanted to marry because he thought they talked too much. But this one didn't. And he just fell in love with her. And he asked her to marry him. And she accepted and the minute that she accepted, she started talking. She said what they're going to do, what their home would be, where they'd go. Oh, she began talking. She talked for over an hour. All of a sudden, she discovered he hadn't said anything. And so she said to him, says, why don't you say something? <laughs> he said, I've said too much already. And all he said was, will you marry me? Well, may I say we have death and life or in the power of the tongue and whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And I want to say that I've always thanked the Lord for mine. <laughs> it's wonderful to have a wonderful wife, and one that can put up with you, by the way. Now, in verse 24, the last verse, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. That's wonderful, isn't it? You want to have friends? Well, show yourself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know who he is? He's closer than a brother to you. That's Jesus. <laughs> he says, you are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. Now, wait just a minute. Don't you run around and start singing. Now, Jesus is a friend of mine. The minute I hear somebody singing that, I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you obeying him? He said, you're my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. Now, if you're not obeying him, I take it that you're not his friend. You ought not to be singing it. 
He is a friend that'll stick closer than a brother, for he's our Savior. He loved us enough to die for us. And he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always. And I'm coming someday to get you where I am. There you can be also. Friends, there's not much improvement you can make on that arrangement. To have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Until next time, may God richly bless you. Well, it's been a pleasure traveling through Proverbs together this week. I know I've enjoyed your company on the Bible bus. While we take a quick break from our daily study for the weekend, why don't you join me for Dr. McGee's special Sunday sermon titled Christmas in the Garden of Eden. It's one that we've never aired before, and I know that you're going to love it. So you can listen by app online at ttb.org or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find it. Again, that's ttb.org or 1-800-65-BIBLE. I'm Steve Schwetz, and as always, I'll meet you back here next week as we continue this amazing journey through the Old Testament book of Proverbs. God bless you today as you walk with Him in His Word. Today's study is always available, free to stream or download, thanks to the generous and faithful investments from your fellow Bible bus travelers. Just go to ttb.org or download our app to listen again anytime. As always, we'd love to know what's God teaching you.